slip inside the family guy. Don't you know you might find some funny jokes today? You say that you've never seen Peter on the big screen farting on Meg. So I start an episode from my bed. And you said the brains you had have left your head. Step outside, collect your thoughts, and breathe. I stand up beside the Roku stick. Whipped cream is a funny bit. Cause you ain't never gonna stop me from watching Stu. So Lois can't wait She knows that I'm late For the start of the show And my soul slides away Just watch the funny baby Who might be gay You, you, you got to adapt to the times, especially, you know, we, for the most, listen, we are recording this podcast on uh, June 15th, 2021. Um, we, it is four days since the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois have moved into phase five, which is basically, basically things are back to the quote unquote new normal, which is what the, all the news is calling it, the new quote unquote normal of phase five here. Um... But that was just, you know, we adapted to the times at this podcast, as a lot of other podcasts did. And, um, you know, we did things over Zoom. But now that we have the COVID era, at least the vaccine era, uh, starting in the middle of it, and the pandemic lockdown era behind us, um, I guess I just have to say it is very nice to see my friend, Noe Marger, <laughs> in person again. Here. We're in person, baby, for the first time since November of 2019. I think November 15th was the last re- day that we recorded in my old apartment. Do I have that right? I mean, well, actually, I probably did that. Tell you, you have that uh, saved in your, your iCal stuff? I, that I do. Okay, That'd be so really you, cool. think, you think November 15th, 2019? I would say, I would hazard a guess November 15th. I, okay. I have November 14th. That make that probably makes sense. Which is also my sister's birthday, so shout out to my sister. Shout out to shout out to uh, Lois, <laughs> Lois Griffin, my sister. Lois Griffin Marger. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Peter and Stewie and Brian and Meg and Chris and uh, all the funny Griffin, <laughs> all the funny Family Guy. Uh, yeah, I have. Damn, looking at a 2019 calendar when I was in LA, no thought of a pandemic coming. I have work, dentist appointment. Going to see a movie, going to an audition, yeah, there we filming go. something with Fed, going to, to lunch with a friend. Like, just the way that life was in late 2019 was insane by today's standards. It is. You really had no idea what was going to be coming. Literally, she, we didn't know what was coming around the mountain, basically. <laughs> she was coming around the mountain. She was coming fast and hard. And, uh, and making us all sniff and uh, be uh, paranoid around friends and family member that we were going to kill somebody. 
with an invisible virus, but you know what? A fake virus. Fake actually. virus, right, right. We are in the COVID fake era. Shout out to the COVID fake. Shout out to COVID-19 not being real. We all knew it the whole time. We were playing yeah. along. It was a big joke. Jamie Kennedy's in the corner. Ashton Kutcher's in the corner to say, you just got pumped, bitch. <laughs> That's me in the corner. <laughs> That's, That's me, me with the, the cameras. Yeah. You are on punked, bitch. <laughs> and the Jamie Kennedy experiment. I was actually just listening to Doughboys. Uh, and okay. had Larry Fong on, who shot bunch of movies shot the tomorrow war which is coming out next month <laughs> he shot you know i can't even name the movies he shot but he shot like huge movies like okay. huge blockbusters we started out shooting music videos and he shot the losing my religion music video great music video you know who directed that music video uh is it david fincher uh no it was tarsum singh oh the guy who did the the fall the fall the cell um did a couple others. I did. I think his his sort of sword and sandals from that era was the Immortals, not the Hercules movie. And I think he did Mirror Mirror, which was like there's a weird time in like the mid two thousands when they were just trying to do like you know just throw IP at the wall and see what was sticking, and you would get like two kind of um, you get copycat movies. You get copycat movies. Yeah, it'd be like in the nineties. You know, you had Dante speak the same year as Volcano, but there was the years where you would have like Snow White and the Hunts- Huntsman in Mirror Mirror, and then like Olympus has fallen and White House down. Right, and stuff like right, that. right, right. Which yeah. are great. Yeah, we got they're great movies those. and they're funny and cool. Yeah, they're some of my favorite movies. Don't say anything bad about those movies. I, I like them both equally. To me, they're both equally as good as I, the other. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything bad about those movies, I promise Are you. Are you fucking with me right now? Are you saying no, bad shit about those movies? I'm not saying bad shit about those movies. Um, I respect those movies as long as you promise to respect the uh, the Liam Neeson kind of exploitation films. Like, Nonstop, Unknown, uh, Widows. <laughs> you like those? You like both of those? I do. I, I like Nonstop quite a bit, actually. That is a very solid, like, just straight down the middle action movie that is a ton of fun to watch just when you need, like, um, it's a very much like, if we lived in, in different times, that is very much a, it's on AMC, I'm in the middle of it, but I'll sit down and finish it kind of movie. That's you know? good. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great, fun movie. It's one of your favorite movies. I uh, I wouldn't give it five stars on Letterboxd. Anyway, yesterday, we spent all day together yesterday. <laughs> we should probably talk about that for just a little bit, huh? Because I'm here No, no one gives a shit. No, I'm kidding. Yes, everyone. So this is a ton of list with Noah and Mason. I'm, I'm Mason. Noah Marger, the funny talking baby. I'm Mason McGuire, the funny Chicago dog. Um, <laughs> with tomatoes, with tomatoes, with tomatoes, with tomatoes. Even though I don't like tomatoes very much, he took a bite with the tomato. He did, and you know what? I'm very, so yes. Noe is. Uh, this is the midpoint of his journey, basically around the country uh, for this summer. His post vaccine, um, pre back to quote unquote new normal uh, in Los Angeles time. Took a long road trip through. As loyal listeners, the past couple of weeks will know why we've had a lot of exciting guests on the show. Shouts out to Mary Moreno. Shouts out to Heaven Ramirez. Shouts out to Max Lazarine. Um, ha- love having them on the show, but very happy to have Noe back. And not just to record in person with my butt again. I know. It feels uh, so weird, dude. Not just to record with my butt again. Not just to record in person with my butt again, but also to show him around the city that I love. That toddling town. Shy town baby. Noe, how do you feel about the Windy City? Uh, well, it got a lot more windy when you and I were walking around because we yeah, were so fucking blasting farts all <laughs> yeah. over the place, brother. Uh, no, this is a great place. This is a great city. Uh, I've been to, I believe this is city number 11 
in total yeah. on my journey so far. Is this far. the biggest city that you're going to stop in? Yes. I, I believe so. Is Houston bigger or is Houston not as big? Houston kind of t- gets very, very close, but it, it, to my knowledge, on June 15th, 2021, has not surpassed Chicago okay. in terms of population. But then I guess this is close. the biggest city that I'm going to. Gotcha. Uh, and you know what? Kind of, I was thinking about this last night when I was on the bus with you at 10.45 in the, yeah. at night. You after. got the real Chicago experience taking the bus at the Fullerton bus at 10.45. Yeah, there was a freaky-ass lady who was getting up and changing chairs what every was up? And, like, trying to get the attention of, like, that other guy, and I wasn't sure if she... Some <laughs> weird, like, like pre- primordial mating dance between, yeah, like, yeah, two, yeah. like, lonely lost souls on the buses of Chicago at yeah. night. Uh, but, yeah, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, it's kind of like the Midwestern New York in a lot of ways, you know. Congratulations, you unlocked Chicago. You've, <laughs> you've boiled Chicago down to its bare elements. <laughs> Congratulations, you have disgraced the city <laughs> by giving it no personal identity and just saying that it's a smaller New York. Hey, no problem. Glad to do it. I'm going to be wrong. Well, that's <laughs> the thing. They call Milwaukee the smaller Chicago, and I don't think anyone would have anything to say about that. Honestly, dude, it's not. I was just in Milwaukee. I do not think it's even close to Chicago. In any way, shape, or form. I mean, it's not not similar in some ways, but it's just like, this is just such a different place. This is just such a different, it's more metropolis. It feels like, kind of, it feels like a little bit of a throwback city in some ways. And I don't know if that rings true to you at all. No, that is true. That's one of my favorite things about this city, and I did my best throughout our day. We had a long-ass day. We spent basically, I think we spent basically 12 hours together because we left, well, you got to my place at 10 a.m., Yeah. and then we parted ways back at my place at like 11.30 that night was when that bus dropped us off. Yeah, it was like a, it was a full day. It was a full day, but it felt great. Um, And I do, to, to get back to the point, I did try my best to point out like just kind of the old parts of the city even in when we were like downtown even um because the city of chicago has done a decent job better than a, a lot of other metropolitan areas to my knowledge of of preserving um kind of just the the heritage and the kind of like what it what it was kind of built up as you know sure um not as much there is still a lot of displacement and gentrification and tearing down um kind of old uh, like particularly houses that are uh, um, uh, native to the city there, but in my not, I would say the three and a half years that I spent in Los Angeles, I noticed a lot more uprooting and oh yeah, it's new way development than in Chicago where it still happens but at a much um, smaller clip. Um, so I am actually kind of um, happy that you pointed out how the city is still has it's kind of its oldness we spent a decent amount of time in grant park which is like if you want to see kind of that that's probably the best the best one place to go to see that as an illustration because you have like kind of the old hotels and old buildings along the south loop but you can also see like the sears tower and kind of all the new skyscrapers that are going up and stuff like that um what was your favorite part what was your favorite thing that we did yesterday it's i've got so i've gotten this question from some friends as i've talked to them like throughout the trip and they're like oh what's your favorite thing that you've done so far like what's your favorite thing that you did in this city and it's like a really kind of impossible question to answer as that because it's like it's the whole thing you know it's the whole experience of being in a place it's the whole experience of we're going to get on this bus and then we're going to transfer to a train and then that train is going to take us you know three minute walk away from this beautiful park with this beautiful fountain and then we're going to walk right up the street to the bean you know it's that whole experience of yeah 
doing it and that whole experience of traveling and being a fish out of water in all these places because like 95% of the places that I'm going on this trip are going to be for the first time. Right. right so right. it's all just a matter of being a total fish out of water in these places and just like experiencing what these places are like because, you know, United States is pretty big. It's yeah. got a bunch of different little places. Humans are very similar. You know, that's why we have this thing called human nature. But I grew up in the, on the West Coast my entire life. I grew up in mm-hmm. Portland, Oregon, Pacific Northwest. I spent a lot of time in Southern California the last, like, five or six years. And it's just so different. You know, we're, in the, we're yeah. on the same continent, the same country. I'm just about... 1500 miles away from where I normally am mm-hmm. and it feels just so different you know Chicago feels so different from Wyoming which feels so different from yeah. you know like Idaho which feels so different from Missouri you know yeah. and so yeah. that's like been the best part uh, yeah 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 and you drove through um, a st- stretches of flat land I have to imagine like being in that much kind of flat land for that pe- long period of time for the first time, must have been very, very trippy. <laughs> uh, it sucks. Like, that's what you mean by trippy. No, no, it is. Like, I, I haven't gone along through a long road trip through the Midwest, um, but I have family that live family that lives in Illinois, um, about an hour outside of about an hour and a half outside of the city. We'll say. Um, and once you were going to see that on your way to Seattle, um, St. And Louis. It's pro- uh, yeah, on your way to St. Louis. Thank you. Um, uh, and it probably won't. It'll be very. Um, what you are used to seeing on this road trip through this point, so it might not like phase you as much. Um, but it is just nuts to me that you know uh, people just think. And I, I have this conversation with 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 my roommate a lot, with other people that it's just like people think Illinois and they just think Chicago, basically, Absolutely. or Chicago land, and they don't realize that it, one, it is a huge fucking state, and two, it is actually kind of like geographically kind of diverse. Like if you get into Southern Illinois. It is number one, as I understand it, I've never been to Southern Illinois, like the South, which is nuts. And there's also like fucking Catholics and shit down there, actually. Jesus Christ. Uh, Fucking cave people walking around Southern Illinois. Yeah, for real. You might need to make a detour and just uh, hang out with a Neanderthal, aside from me. Oh, Oh. Mason, you took the words right out of my goddamn mouth. Ooh, he snapped when he said that one, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, um, and I'm excited to keep going on the trip because I'm about yeah. to enter the South and I've never spent any time in the South apart from like Arizona, which is like the American Southwest. So it's not the Southeast. It's not the dirty South, as some people right, might say. Right, right, right. So I'm about to enter a whole new world. I mean, the Midwest was yeah. like a nice little stepping stone because it's a little more, no, no offense. It's a little more dry, a little more not ironic there's no sense of irony in the midwest there's no sense of like it's very yeah it is very it is very sincere um, everyone is very like i you know i'll say it i talked about it on i think i talked about it on the episode that we recorded yesterday sort of out and about but i was at the brewers game in milwaukee a couple days ago and i'm sitting next to this man and he's very nice and we're chatting it up we're talking or whatever and he, I'm like, where are you from? He's like, oh, I'm up by Lake Superior, you know, about five hours away. And I'm like, oh, so you drove five hours to get to the game? Like, kind of like tongue-in-cheek, like, holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah. He went, oh, yeah, no, yeah, five hours. I was just like, 
bro, you're nuts for that. He's like, no, yeah, we're going to go to the Bucks game tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, man, that's nuts. That is a, that is a man that um, a, a Wisconsin sort of transit line, like a big old train, would really make his life easier. Yes, to get from one diametric opposite point of the state to Milwaukee. Yeah, just like a two-hour train or something from the tip of the the tip down to uh, Milwaukee. You know, he could go to as many Brewers games as his heart contends. You did, you did tell me that you uh, could only stand two innings next to that guy. Yeah. So, so what Which happened? I don't, was, I don't begrudge you. Uh, well, what happened was is that you know we're we're talking pre-game before the actual first pitch of the game is being thrown. Super you nice this guy. Dude. A lot of your time, actually. Yes, like he was talking to me for close to an hour, probably before I realized, like, I can't sit next to this guy. But what happened was, is he was like, I had mentioned that I had been to New York a handful of times, mm-hmm. and he had been to New York more than a handful of times because his son actually had to have some like specialty surgery that was done out in New York. So oh, he used to be flown out there a lot, but that was like beside the point because he just kept being like, "You ever been to Penn Station?" That <laughs> would be like. Yeah, I've been to Penn Station. And it would be during a 2-2 count in the bottom of the inning while they have runners on second and third about to possibly score a run. Damn. I was just I was just like, you know what, man? You're very nice. I've actually enjoyed talking to you. But you're talking to me during, like, not an appropriate time. Right, right, so right, right, right. I just got up after the end of the second inning. I don't even think I said anything to him. Like, why would I? I'm about to fucking, you know, ditch his ass. And so I literally just get up. I go buy a hot dog and some water. And I go sit two sections over, and I enjoy the rest of the game in peace. So, shout out to that man who I absolutely ghosted and will hopefully never see again in my entire life. But I also met, I didn't tell this to you yesterday, and the other like most interesting guy that I met is I was leaving Iowa uh, okay. to go to Minneapolis. And the Buddy Holly crash site is in Clear Lake, Iowa. Okay. Uh, where the Big Bopper, Richie Valens, and Buddy Holly and the pilot crashed. They went, yeah, they went down in American Pie. Uh, they went down, they were watching American Pie, and they laughed so <laughs> hard that the guy wrote a song about it. Um, but uh, I was on my way, it's north, I was driving north to Minneapolis from Des Moines, and it's probably like halfway between Des Moines and Minneapolis. Uh, okay, sure. Uh, and so I stopped, it's like right off a gravel road in this town called Clear Lake, Iowa. And I pull off to the side of the road, and there's, like, a couple other cars on the side of the road, and you have to cross the road, and there's this big pair of glasses that someone had made. as like a little memorial to Buddy Holly. Oh, nice. And people come and put their sunglasses on, the, sure, the sure. sunglasses or whatever. To it's like a kiss Valentino's grave, you know, just like something you do. Exactly. Uh, is that a joke? No, no, no. I think people, Valentino was a silent film star. One of the, he was one of the first people to make women horny on screen. And he died very, very young. Fucking king. Let's go. Yeah, he died in like the early... And the the second and third people are you and me. So we are kind of carrying on his legacy. We are. But to this day, and he died probably close to 100 years ago at this point, but to this day, people will go to his grave at Hollywood Forever and like put little kisses on his his grave. That's cool. Yeah. I'm never going to do that. That sounds sus to me, but you know. You can't do that in the... Well, now you can do it in the COVID fake era because you got your vaccine. Right. We can all admit COVID wasn't real. Yeah, we can kiss each other and then kiss Rudolph Valentino. Yeah, I'll be pissing on his. <laughs> because I, I took your spot, asshole. Um, but uh, I'm trying. Good bitch, bitch, you're done. Bitch, be humble. Sit down. Um, but I was at this. I was at these glasses, and this guy walks up with like a Nikon camera, like a full-on DSLR camera, like yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. heavy duty thing. Uh, and he was like, "How's it going?" I was like, "Pretty good." You know, we could kind of sat there, and he said, "Did you drive all the way from Oregon?" Because he saw the Oregon plate. Oh, nice. Car. Okay. He said, did you drive all the way from Oregon to see the Buddy Holly thing? And I went, 
No. <laughs> no, of course not, you fucking idiot. Of course I didn't drive all the way from Portland to see the fucking Buddy Holly Memorial. But I'm like, well, I'm actually on my way to Minneapolis. I was just stopped in Des Moines and I wanted yeah. to see it on my way there. He said, oh, very cool. And we got to talking a little bit. And he's probably like late 30s, early 40s guy. Mm-hmm. Super nice dude. And I said to him, you know, I think we're allowed to walk down this path uh, to see the actual, like, spot the where they side. crashed. Gotcha. And there's a little okay. memorial there. But I didn't know. I just okay. didn't know. And I said, do you know? And he said, well, there's this guy walking back towards us. I'm going to ask him when okay. he comes back. Because clearly he, like, at least tried to go out there. Yeah. So the guy comes back. And he's an older guy. He's probably late 70s, I would say. But he looks like he's in great shape. Mm-hmm. He comes back, and I say to him, if you walk that way, is there anything to look at? And he said, oh, yeah, there's this little memorial. People brought, like, vintage stuff, laid it down there. It's about a 10, 15-minute walk. You just walk straight down the field, okay. and you can't miss it. And I go, great. So then the old guy, who I later found out his name was Larry, okay. and That's Jason, Larry. who is the younger guy That's in the late Jason. 30s, early 40s, they start talking, and they, and I'm like just kind of privy to this conversation. I'm like kind of in the conversation, not really in the conversation, but I find out that Larry was in the Army okay. prior to Vietnam. He got out right before Vietnam. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, he was in Berlin, where that's where he was stationed for about three and a half, four so, years. Wow. So he was in like a, like too young to fight in Korea, too old to fight in Vietnam. Yes, exactly. Interesting. He was like in this weird little pocket of yeah, like yeah, yeah. space. He's born in the late forties, would be my guess. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. And so sense. he starts talking. And he's like, "I'm a veteran. I was. I fought. In, or I didn't fight, but I served in the army." And then Jason says, "Get out of here. I'm currently serving in the Iowa National Guard. Oh, okay. And I live in Des Moines." Uh-huh. And they start talking and, like, really start, you know, they, obviously that's a connection that you can't fake, like two guys who have served time. Or yeah. not served time, but, like, served in the Army. Yeah. And Larry is just like, yeah, I got this binder here. I live 30 miles north of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And every fall and winter, I plan out my trips throughout the United States. And me and my r- wife ride around on my motorcycle all around the United States Going to let's, different places. Let's fucking go, Larry. And Hell he was yeah. like showing us his binder. He had like a like an Excel sheet, like huge list of all the different little places. And he's not going to like New Orleans, Chicago, LA. Like he's not going to like big destinations. He's going to just like kind of more cultural spots that are interesting, like for American cultural reasons, like the crash site of exactly. Holly. What else did you see? What else? Where else he's been? Well, he said that there were like themes to these trips because he like cool. does it through like an organization. Oh, okay. And so the theme will be like like Shakespeare and something else. So he like went to Romeoville, Illinois at one point because it had the word Romeo, Romeo in it or something, sure. you know. Or actually I think it was I'm sorry, I think it was like different like it was like European was like the theme. So he went to Romeo, Illinois because it had the word Roman or something like that. Gotcha. And he'll like drive around, look at different historical stuff and he's like yeah, it really takes you to some places that you wouldn't pass through otherwise. I'm like, yeah, no fucking shit. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what he did in Romeoville, Illinois. Where is that even? That That is actually not terribly far from where I grew up, um, just down the highway. It kind of, it's on the closer side to me, but it's on the way to my, um, uh, my where some of my family lives in, like, kind of mid-central Illinois. Um, and... I don't, I don't know what's there, but you would always hear it like, 
So when I was growing up, my morning routine would be like get up at six because I would have like band in the mornings or something. Zero period, baby. Let's uh, go. Hell yeah, hell yeah, baby. Jazz lab band. Let's fucking go. Shouts out in the fucking chat for jazz lab band. Um, but it would like my parents would first. It was you know we would turn on like Nickelodeon or something and we just like watch. My sister and I would watch cartoons. And then since my parents are both like gearing up for like long commutes into the city, they were like, I don't want to listen to fucking cartoons first thing in the morning. Sure. Like. Can you put on something else? And so we just started watching the news. But I'll have to get to the point that Romeoville is a place, more of a place. I have not spent any time in Romeoville, just like kind of passing through, probably like a cool bar or something there. Just like kind of a, uh, kind of a, uh, uh, is it its own city or is it like a suburb of something? It's like a suburb. Um, do you have Wi-Fi in the hotel room that we're in right yeah. now so you can just verify this for me and see what like something cool to do in Romeoville is? I feel like they might have like a, maybe not necessarily a farm team, but a small, baseball team that could be fun to see um but all to say um mostly familiar with romeoville from used car commercials like god you know like they just have a lot and like you know bob warren or whoever the fuck is a it's lot like basically for all you chicago freaks out there it's on the same up what's the up and down is that longitude Did you say north? yeah i don't know i don't know i think it's on the same longitude as naperville it's okay. on the same latitude or longitude yeah, because yeah. latitude flat. Yeah, um, and yeah, 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 and um, just further that south. Makes sense. Less. Yeah, and it in my head that's a little more kind of uh, open and semi like or, or semi rural area. Yeah, um, it's like ba- it's like bordering the plains, so to speak, of Illinois. Like right. Joliet is like a little bit further like south than it, and that's like the last piece of civilization before you leave the greater Chicago area is what it looks like. But but Mason, I'll answer your question. Uh, uh, yesterday, the entire uddy of yesterday was my favorite thing. The just in terms of, of just having the Chicago experience, quote unquote, of being yeah. on these trains and buses, going to these historic places, and eat. we had great food yesterday. We did. You had your first, you, you did tease it a little bit, but you had your first bite of Chicago. You had your first Chicago dog yesterday, and you were a good sport and gave the first, you had a tomato in your first bite. I did. Um, I did record your initial review, but after about 24 hours since that first bite, and since finishing two Chicago dogs, yes. finishing two Chicago dogs and fries, we went to the Angry Octopus, which is in, on uh, Dickens and Clark. It is in the building, to my memory, of a tour I went on when I was in high school. Uh, the building is where the, um, and maybe the tavern that used to be there was where the uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre, like, kind of perpetrators either conspired to create it or were, like, waiting before they went just up the street to kill some kill those guys in a garage. Uh, the garage doesn't exist anymore. I shouldn't know what the path of grassy land that it is now. Um, but let's not talk about that too much. Tell me your uh, Chicago cuisine thoughts, because we had not just a Chicago hot dog, but a some Chicago deep dish, some classic Chicago deep dish deep pizza as well. We did. So, both fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, we, I'm not going to actually, you know what, never mind. Not going to go there. Just going to say, great hot dog, truly good. If you've never had one before, definitely have it with everything on it, just to try it. And then, you know, because it is an interesting flavor in your mouth, with the tomato, yep. the pepper, the mustard... The hot dog, the bun. And there's a variety of textures that you're getting in each bite, too. And then the hot dog buns also have, like, a black, like, seed. Sesame seed, yeah, like yeah. sesame seed buns. That's it, very important. Or maybe a poppy seed. Or poppy seed, I think. Maybe, the poppy seed bun is, like, crucial, I think, to yeah. the whole thing, because it adds a little bit of texture as well. 
and poppy seeds do have a flavor to them even though they are a little bit more muted so definitely worth trying even if you don't like peppers or tomato try it with just the, just a bite with everything on it just mm -hmm. to experience it pick off the shit that you don't like highly recommend a chicago dog and the deep dish pizza i'm actually gonna have some like iconic deep dish pizza afterward i'm recording i think i'm gonna go to mm -hmm. boom on there you so, go. There you go. I'm going to have a little bit more of a taste of that. But what we had last, was it Dagostino's? It was Dagostino's. Yeah, we went to Dagostino's Pizza, which is on Addison and uh, Southport, because it was um, right on our way from the train to the music box. And it was also a uh, classic Mason McGuire spot in college. Yeah, I was, getting, I was getting a little bit of the Mason tour yesterday, too. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause we, so the end of our night was we went to see the movie Can't Hardly Wait at the Music Box. Um, which um, I I know I was not keen on going to uh, see that movie when I initially pitched it. Um, but how did you feel about the music box as a th as just like a theater in a building? And also, how did you feel about the popcorn? And then it's not going to be that we're not going to spend too much time on the movie, but we should talk a little bit about just can't hardly wait because it was a new movie to both of us. New movie to both of us. Uh, originally, I didn't want to go see it. I was like. First of all, I was a little bit not hyped about being in the garden either. And I didn't say that Yeah, too. well, I, I wasn't too hyped about it either. Um, no disrespect, we probably could have made it work to get to the music box to see in the heights. Um, I wasn't as interested in, we had this whole conversation yeah. off mic, but like, I wasn't that as interested in seeing in the heights in the theater. Like, I want to see something that's like, a re-release or something that's yeah, like, like a, a yeah. repertory thing. Yeah, you, know? you came. Unfortunately, you came just too late. They were doing a very good series called like Back at the Movies or something. They partnered with Movie. Uh, I went three times. I saw Playtime, The Tingler, and um, fucking uh, Goodbye Dragon. And damn, some, that's a fucking killer lineup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had uh, other movies. They had uh, Matinee. Roommate Colin went to see Matinee twice in theaters. Actually, uh, the movie that we talked about with. Friend of the show, Marissa H. <laughs> Marissa H., bro. Yeah. Um, it is kind of a bummer. That series ended June 11th so that they could um, show uh, In the Heights, uh, unfor the unfortunate box office, currently disappointment in the Heights. So here's the thing. Shut up. Here's the thing I can't hardly wait. It has an insanely weirdly stacked cast. Yes. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yes. Ethan Embry, mm -hmm. who didn't have, like, a superstar career, but he's a noble face. He's a noble face, and especially in like that kind of like t the stew of teen shit in the '90s. Like you know, if you were a teen in the '90s, you know who Ethan Embry was. It's a little bit after my time, or before my time, rather <laughs> after my time. Yeah, it's a little after your time because you're, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> you are a fucking ghost. Lauren Ambrose from Six Feet Under mm -hmm. plays Denise Fleming. Uh, I don't really know what this guy was in, other than this Peter movie. Bacinelli. Yeah, but he's he, in the Twilight movies. I don't care about that. Um, but he, but he looks and sounded like Tom Cruise in right. this movie. You remarked on that when we were waiting for our bus that like he definitely was. That's why he was cast in the yeah. movie. One hundred and ten percent. And it's kind of so what's the name that plays? What's the name of the actor that plays William? The kind of uh, the Nerino? Charlie Corsmo. Yeah, it's kind of funny that Peter Fancinelli is kind of like the stretch, like the the stretch Armstrong Peter Corso. Like, there's a, scene, a couple shots where they're next to each other, and I'm like, I feel like I'm looking at a little older brother, little brother situation right now. Well, you know what's crazy? Can't Hardly... I'm looking at his IMDb right now. Can't Hardly Wait was his last movie until 2018, where he played... Where, where he was in a movie called Chained for Life. What the fuck? And it, the logline is, a beautiful actress struggles to connect with her disfigured co-star on the set of a European auteur's English-language debut. That is fucking crazy movie to come back for. 
after not being in a movie for 20 years. But he was in Dick Tracy. He was in uh, Hook. Was he the kid in Dick Tracy? He was the kid in Dick Tracy. Okay, that makes sense. Um, So, again, he did a great job in that movie. Chris Griffin himself, Seth Green, is in the movie. He actually does a great job. He was from that. uh, So, if you're not familiar with the movie Can't Hardly Wait, um, I was pleasantly surprised that it was like kind of an ensemble kind of movie. That was the best part about it. Yeah, and I would say that the Seth Green, Lauren Ambrose section is my favorite, was my favorite kind of plot. The one that I felt the most investment in. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, because like the kind of the wider frame around it, which is Peter, uh, Ethan Embry trying to get the, deliver this like handwritten letter of all his feelings. It's a love letter. Yeah, to Jennifer Love Hewitt, uh, in the hopes that she, you know, decides that she would fall in love with him instead of like, you know, uh, Mark Dexter, the Peter Facinelli character. I'm watching it and I'm like, you're real you are really shooting for the stars here, brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's uh he's trying to bat above his average. So he's, trying, to speak. he's trying to bat above his average and he's trying to be like, Oh, I feel fated towards this uh this 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 girl just because we crossed paths our freshman year. And apparently, have never had any kind of relationship. It's kind of incel behavior. It's very incel behavior. It's very. uh, I'm just. And the thing about the movie that I think is nice is that, like, or here, here's Mason's edit on this on the script. If I was the studio head and I was like invested more in the the pure product of the thing and not in Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan walking head down into your office, yeah, fucking shameful notes wagging your finger. Listen, we need to put the McGuire stamp on this right now. You already have a pretty. Uh, with the Ethan, not Ethan Embry, but with the Seth Green and Lauren Ambrose um, kind of subplot, you already have a pretty nice sort of story about young people understanding and learning intimacy kind of on their own terms, you know, and, and romance and, and things like that. And then you have this dumbass fucking main plot about this guy who is being such a fucking little cuck trying to get this girl. Um, that it's almost the better it's the better story decision for them to spoiler alert not get together than for them to like kiss and have him be late for his train and then they're still together as the title say at the end I would rather them be like, like him the lesson for that character for the Ethan Embry character to be like sometimes you don't get what you want sorry move on with your life I don't know uh, Donald Faison is also in Donald Faison is that Breckin Myers in that movie Breckin Meyer Jason Siegel is Jason, in the movie that for was a second so fucking wild when Jason Siegel just pops up like eating a rind of watermelon that is his whole his character I do like that he Jason Siegel's a good actor I don't we talked about the, the end of the tour on our walk back from yeah. the movie theater up uh, a movie that I at least that performance I like quite a bit yeah he's great he's and it's uh it is a testament to him as an actor. Honestly, I think Jason Segel's an underrated actor. I agree. Um, I 100% agree with you. Where he just, like, he has maybe, he shows up in all but, he shows up maybe two shots in that movie, and the, the first time you see him is towards the end, and he's just chewing on a watermelon and makes his impression. The second time you see him, like, Jennifer LaFeud is coming out, she's upset about something, and you just see his character, like, still trying to pass her off on this orc, this, like, watermelon ride, and I'm like, that is some good decision. That is some good acting choices you're making there, Jason Siegel. Good job, Chef. Yeah, he's being a real sweetheart. Yeah. Uh, we also have Jerry O'Connell showing up for That was also really fun. <laughs> you have Melissa Joan Hart. Yes. You have Jenna Elfman as the angel, which was crazy yes. to see. That, that was Jenna Elfman. I thought I uh, got my 90s blondes mixed up. I thought that was Christina Applegate. So I thought that the blonde girlfriend of one of the, of one of the like, the... 
Peter, uh, is it Peter Facinelli? Peter Facinelli. Peter Facinelli's like crew. Yeah. I thought that was Jenny McCarthy, but it's Jamie Presley. Gotcha. Instead, so there's a lot of like '90s ass actors in this. Clea Duvall, who directed Happiest Season, mm-hmm. which was the Christmas movie with uh, Kristen Stewart, mm-hmm. she's in this movie as Jenna. I do not know who that was in the movie, but she's credited in the movie. Uh, who else is crazy in this movie? Uh, Brecken Meyer, as you said, and then Deborah Kaplan, who is one of the actor or who one of the, the mm-hmm. Harry El- yeah. Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan, yeah. who are the writers and directors of the movie. They have cameos, uncredited cameos, as graduation students in the movie. As well. Gotcha. The the writing directing duo that also gave us Josie and the Pussycats. I have not seen that, but I've only heard that it's like brutally underrated. Uh, it is. Yeah, I watched that at a. Uh, I, I I watched that. Just before pandemic got a sleepover, and it was a lot of fun. Wow, going to sleepover as a twenty-seven-year-old yes. man. Uh, what happens when you have a lot of platonic female friends, or a decent number? Gotcha. Okay, we don't. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> but we can. Uh, can't hardly wait. Good movie. I would. I would give it a thumbs up. I and I really. There are. If you are going to use this like kind of capsule review to go and seek this movie out, I would say be advised that there are a lot of. Um, there are a fair amount of homophobic slurs. Probably just. I think maybe just one even. But even that kind of bristled. And there's a white guy that goes up to a group of black people and drops an n bomb. There is more than one use of the f gay slur. There is at least three uses. Okay. That I, remember. I only clocked. I only clocked. Well, they. Oh, I clocked it once towards the end, and I guess they repeat repeat that like kind of I can't believe how it's called up there is some stuff that has not held up at all and I can't believe held up at the time exactly yeah it's also a very white movie so be (laughs) advised about that I was actually surprised actually that there were as much diversity in the movie as there was right right right. I was not as much as a 2021 movie would have but for the time I guess it is uh, it is nice it is nice but Again, I still give it the thumbs up. Like going with it's that, fun. Uh, yeah, it's a fun movie, and it's really it's like a lot of care was put into the making of the film. It didn't feel like a yeah. cash grab. It yeah. felt like we, as the directing and writing duo of this movie, Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont, we want to make something entertaining that we yeah. are proud of. It didn't feel like an American Pie sequel, you know, that was just yeah or cash grabby. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But um, cool. Okay, so now that we've gotten that, well, out Mason. Like, yeah. Before we actually dive into the albums here. Oh shit. You were nice enough yesterday to give me some surprises, so I actually have some surprises for you. Oh shit. Okay. He's putting down the mic. He's getting up from his table here. He's moving over to uh, the closet in this extended stay. Uh, oh, he's got some gifts. Okay. Do I need two hands for these, or are you just going to show them off? Well, hold on. Can you give me a fucking second, Mason? Okay. Okay. Sure. Okay, Mason, I have some presents for you. Okay, cool. Uh, I was in Des Moines, okay, as I had previously stated, mm-hmm. uh, and I was at a Barnes and Noble. Okay. I hadn't been in a Barnes and Noble in fifteen months, okay, probably longer. Okay, and as you know, it's a bookstore. Yes, I am familiar. But they also have movies there. So I wanted to give you some movies that I know that you do not actually currently have in your collection that you have been talking about privately to me. For a long time. Okay. The first one I have here is a little movie that I you are I don't surprise you don't talk about it on the show to be honest with you because I know that you love it so much and that is Dr. Seuss's The Lord. <laughs> it's fucking stuck to the fucking bag. Fuck that. I got Dr. Seuss's The Lorax here for you. I'm just gonna slide that onto the ground. 
Uh, so you can go ahead and watch that at home if you want. Uh, I also know how much you love whales, so I got you the Free Willy 4 I film. Do, I do love whales. <laughs> There's that. Uh, and I know that, you know, one movie was not enough. Four movies were not enough. So I got you the Girls and Guns and G-String 12 movie pack. There we fucking go, Chef. Wait, Wait, I wanna, let me see what's in this. We got... We do have hard tickets to Hawaii. Okay, we got Enemy Gold, Fit to Kill, Guns, Savage Beach, Return to Savage Beach, Picasso Trigger, Malibu Express, Hard Hunted, The Dallas Connection, Day of the Warrior, Do or Die, and Enemy Gold. Movies Um, that I have never heard of in my entire life. I have heard of some of these only by reputation, uh, kind of as being like best of the worst things, like, you know, Red Letter Media kind of situation. Um, I'm very excited for this. This is actually a very good gift for me. And I kept all the price stickers on everything to know that I want you to know I didn't spend a lot of money on this. Uh, Listen, 12 movies for $10, that's a dollar and a pound bargain, brother. That's a dollar and a pound bargain. The Lorax was $5, and I'm also a Barnes & Noble member, so everything was not very expensive. I wanted you to know that I didn't spend a lot of money on this. You kept your Barnes & Noble membership through pandemic. That is some brand loyalty. Yeah. Uh, I also knew that you are a huge drinker. So I got you. I, got, I mean, compared to you, yes. But. You are uh, you are sloppy. So I got you a I'm shot right glass. Uh, this is a pickle Rick shot glass <laughs> that you can show off to everyone who comes through the apartment now that you guys are going to be doing shots pre gaming the bars. Uh, I'm speechless on this one here. And chef, I know that you cannot function without your coffee yeah, in the morning. Don't talk to me before I've had my coffee. If you talk to Mason before he's had his coffee, he's going to be an asshole to you, and that's his right. Yeah, he's going to be an asshole to you regardless if he's had his coffee or not. Yeah. But it's his right if you haven't had his coffee yet. And I wanted to give you a coffee mug that had a little bit of your personality on it. So I got you a coffee mug that just says, "I need <laughs> Mason, all these gifts are yours and yours alone. You don't have to thank me. I'm just doing my job. (laughs) It is a white mug with black text that just says, I eat ass, all around it. And this is a big mug. Yeah, you can fit a lot of whatever you want in that mug. I can fit a lot of ass in it. You can fit a lot of fucking ass. You can eat a lot of ass in that mug. I am tickled pink, chef. Uh, Let me pick up the Lorax from the fucking floor so it doesn't feel left out. Hold on. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm Any gonna, thoughts? Um, I will say that um, uh, I I feel like Mason's surprise yesterday. We didn't talk about Mason's surprise on the pod yet. We should save that. I think we should, should save that. But These Mason's surprise was a uh, a very nice treat for my friend Noe. And I think that Noe's surprise are uh, five very nice treats for his friend Mason. So I'd I say, would say better. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, I would say that. I would say that for anyone keeping track at home, uh, I guess this means that Noah is the better friend. <laughs> uh, I also should mention that I went to Mall of America to buy those mugs at Spencer's. Seriously, at the Mall of America. So I had to walk around with those mugs in my hand. They didn't, like, wrap it up or anything? Well, they did. I'm just saying I walked around with those my entire time. Because I was going to say, like, it would be... I I can just see you, like, uh, going to, uh, you know, the Orange Julius and filling up the the I Eat Ass mug. I Eat Ass mug and just sipping that, watching the kids at Camp Snoopy or whatever the fuck. I, uh... I tried to do it and they wouldn't let me. That's all I'll say. Tried to get away with it. Uh, Mason, those are my gifts to you. Thank you very much, Chef. I I, I, I really do appreciate it. Um, 
damn, you gave me, you got me uh, 17 movies, a mug, and a shot glass. I am walking out of this hotel room a richer man. You, uh, you owe me your life. I do, at this point, yeah. For a lot of reasons, but specifically for these gifts that you have given me just now. Or I have given you just now. In a way, in a way it's just a gift for me to be able to give you the gifts. Right. That's actually an ad. That's actually better for me. I actually feel better than you for receiving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. But it's hey, better to give than to receive. It's better to, and, and you would know. I am with you. Mason, should we talk about some fucking music? Yeah, we're about forty-five minutes into this fucking episode at this point. <laughs> yeah, we might as well talk about some music. Uh, we have two choices. We got a Noah's choice and a Mason choice. We're gonna mm-hmm. start with the Noah choice. Well, we are doing two albums this week because it's easier for Noah to chunk time out for music on the road than it is for uh for him to chunk time out for movies necessarily i i like the two albums that we have uh picked today though so why don't you start because we're going to start with the noe choice here talking about 1995's down by the old mainstream by golden smog snap 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 hey let's get some snaps going oh mason yeah You've never heard this album before I brought it onto the show. Uh, I had not heard this album before I brought it on the show, which was honestly a um, kind of a, a, a point of shame for me because my boy, Chicago's very own, the mayor of the real mayor of Chicago, well, the real mayor of Chicago is Tom Skilling, but the Duke of Chicago, Duke of Chicago, Jeff Tweedy, this is a project of his. He's involved in it. He's somehow. involved in the project. Yeah. The, the theme of today's show is alt country and Chicago. Those are the two themes. Yep. And if you don't like it, get the fuck out. You already got, yeah, if you don't like it, you got 45 minutes of podcasting already, so just go on with the rest of your fucking day. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck um, I listened to this album right before I left on my trip. Oh, okay. A couple so it's weeks. Kind of, so it is new-ish to you. New-ish. Okay. Uh, love that for me, that it's new-ish for me. Yeah. Uh, and I don't remember exactly how I found out about it, I was listening to a lot of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot before, and I think just by listening to that, and I Am Trying to Break Your Heart a lot, I think I was recommended the song Pecan Pie uh, from the mm. album on like a Spotify radio or something, mm. which is the third track off. Which is like, uh, not to get too ahead, but it, to have that song after listening to I'm listening to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, <laughs> like a pretty fun song after a pretty heavy album. <laughs> yeah, like very different in terms of the overall sound, very different as far as like just yeah. his overall uh, but I listened to the song and I was like this rocks this is fun this is like a very sweet song so I just sort of put the album as a whole on my like big master list of albums to listen to mm-hmm. and I like just swipe through that thing at random sometimes I'm like okay whatever I land on yeah. I'll listen to you play playlist roulette basically but because of their band name Golden Smog mm-hmm. I was just so interested Mm-hmm. in what that band sounds like, you yeah. know, further. So I put the album on. I probably went on a drive and listened to the whole album or I was, like, doing something around the house and I, like, listened to the whole album. And I just immediately fell in love with it. The It was like every song got better on that first listen. Mm-hmm. It was like, holy shit, this first song, V, amazing. Then I was like, oh, but it can't get better than that. And then Ill Fated comes on and I'm like, holy shit, this is even better than V. Yeah. But it can't get better than that. Then Pecan Pie comes on, and I'm like, holy shit, that's even better, but it can't get better than that. And from the first listen, it really just did feel like every song was topping out on the other ones. In subsequent listens, it's not quite the same high, 
But I would still argue the first seven songs just get better and better and better on this album. So that was kind of my first um uh, that was kind of my first listen as well. I had the I had the album on when I was like doing some emails or something at work. Um, and just like just enough to listen to the first four tracks before putting it on pause and then like having to come back to it later. And the fourth song in the track list is a cover of the faces um, Glad and Sorry. And that's the fifth track. Fourth um, track is Okay, fine. Then I, I guess the first five songs that I listened to before having to do other shit. Um, and I was like, wow. I kind of had the same thought that you did that, like, okay, starts off really strong. This is really, like, one of my favorite times listening to, like, kind of alt country, I guess, country, or, like, just kind of stuff that sounds like this in general is, like, the beginning of summer. Because it feels, oh, yeah, totally. you know, it feels like kind of, um, like, you know, uh, it's, it's past the blossom of spring, and now you can just kind of, like, bring, like, really good alt country and really good, I guess, just cult country or folk or whatever you want to call it. There's this, like, kind of welcoming feeling that I really like. And um, when I was listening to these first five songs, V in particular was like, okay, this is, this is like, someone's, like, kind of ushering me into this, the door of this music here. And then it didn't stop, and then you end at Glad and Sorry. And I'm like, man, I guess there's nowhere else for this album to go but up. Yeah. And it kind of did it. <laughs> at least for me, at least. I think I kind of... So, tell me more about, like, how you feel about the... After the first seven tracks or whatever you just said, like... So, upon, like, an, like additional listens, I think after He's a Dick, which is track number seven, mm-hmm. it starts to win a little bit for me, but not in the sense where I'm like, fuck, I'm gonna skip this shit. There's only one track on this album that I skip in subsequent list- listens, and it's She Don't Have to See You. I... Yeah, I really don't... I. It's not that I don't care for that song, but it's also probably my least favorite. The one that I think is probably the only, like, skip on the album. It's because everything else either is, like you said, welcoming and inviting, sunny, warm, emotional. It's a lot of the same reasons, actually, that I enjoy the Whitney album, which was the last album right. that we talked about before I went on my trip, uh, or before I started my trip, rather. Uh, and it's it's just got such a great feel. You feel so... At home, you feel so at peace listening to something like this, and uh, I just, you know, I just had to bring it on the show. I was just like, holy shit, like, this album is so good, and I doubt even, like, maybe Wilco fans know about this. Like, because yeah, yeah. it's not 100% a Wilco sound, but there is a bit of the Jeff Tweedyness sprinkled throughout. Yeah, you can't, you do, um, you, you do hear Jeff Tweedy in this album. Which, um, but it's not um, kind of overpowered. It's not to the point where he is. And this is my favorite thing about Jeff Tweedy. He's a very modest fellow. He has he's had his demons. He's had his struggles. Um, but it never. Whenever you see Jeff Tweedy either in a project like this or just out and about, attention is drawn to him because he's you know especially in the Midwest, probably one of the more famous people that you could see just out and about. Um, but I don't feel like he's like a kind of a, a swaggery or kind of like. Um, super ostentatious rock star or something. And that's what gives him his swag. That's why that his swag has that's no why, That's why he has his... That's why his swag is unlimited. But this album's from 1995. So this is, like, kind of uh, early Wilco, kind of end of Uncle Tupelo, which was also very sort of tumultuous. I'm reading Jeff Tweedy's autobiography right now. I haven't gotten to this section yet. Okay. I just got to where he met um, Jay Farrar, um, his... The bandmate... The for, first drummer, the, right? The, no, the first... Uh, his bandmate for Uncle Tupelo. Oh, gotcha, okay. Um, and... Um, but all to say, I think that since this is, like, kind of 
early in his kind of like uh, career, basically or whatever. Um, he's also in this band with like the Soul Asylum. Who are the other members of this? Two members okay. of Soul Asylum. So the in, so the, the Golden Smog project had a rotating list of people. I think even people from the replacements even came in at certain gotcha. points. Like I don't think it was Alex Chilton specifically, but like you had people coming in at you certain points. Westerberg? That's what I meant because I think that well, there's a guy from Big Star in the in the in the group too. Like they had like a rotating like roundabout of like Midwest rock people coming sure, in and sure. out of this project. But in this debut album specifically, it's Dan Perner, okay, from Soul Asylum, and Dan Murphy. Mm-hmm. Or Dave Perner, excuse me. Dave Perner, who's the front man of Soul Asylum and the lead guitarist Dan Murphy. Gary Lewis and Mark Perlman of the Jayhawks. Gotcha. And Jeff Tweedy of Wilco. And there's some other like people that I want to talk about here when we actually like dig into the album like for real. But those are the main driving forces mm-hmm. of this album. Uh, and like you said, Mason, even though I think She Don't Have to See You is probably the skip, I think this does pass the Maguire test of every song being good. Yeah. I... I... Yes, with that caveat, I agree. Because uh, it's not like I dislike listening to She... It's just... It's one of those things where it's like, because the rest of these songs around them, it, around uh, She Don't Want to... Or, well, she Don't Have to she See don't You. Have to see you. Because the rest of the album has is just kind of nothing but headers, when there's like kind of a slight... The slightest of dips, it does... Stands out. It stands out, yeah. Not quite like a sore thumb. Maybe like a... a no, like um, a sore pinky toe. Like a bruised pinky. Like a, like a hangnail. Yeah, you're just kind of like, oh man, you want to get that checked out? And you're like, no, I'll just, I'll just walk around with a fucking uh, inflamed finger because I have a fucking yeah. hangnail and it's been bothering um, me for two weeks. But I agree with you. I think this does pass. This does definitely pass the the Mason test. And when I was re-listening to it um, this morning before you picked me up, I was definitely just like, yeah, I don't think there's a single song on here that yep. Skip, a skip is a different than a, a remove completely, you know? Yes. Sometimes you're listening to albums and you're like, I don't know why this song is on this album. But there's such a... Um, uh, uh, the songwriting in this album is just so good. <laughs> it is. It's, like, playful they, but also yeah. sweet. It, and, like, it can be extremely... And again, I haven't gotten to the point in the Tweety autobiography or I've gotten to drama around this specific project, if there is any, but they play really well as a unit together. Two songs I was really surprised about that really came out sort of to blossom for me on this listen around was He's a Dick. I think that's a really funny song. There is a secret past chef connection to that song. What the hell? Off mic, yeah. Oh, holy. You're not going to say it on mic? Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know if I have uh, okay from the person who told me this, but there is allegedly the subject of He's a Dick is the father of a friend of mine. Wow. That is some breaking fucking news on the list, guys. Which I didn't know when you pitched this album to me. I knew because I texted the Glad and Sorry cover to this friend. Yeah. And he texted back saying, I think that he's a dick is about my dad. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, I just for the for to uh just to uh for the sake of the innocent, I will not dox this friend, but Yeah, no reason to dox the friend. That's just crazy. But I'll tell you off mic and your 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 little mind will be blown. Your little dick will be blown. My little my little tiny baby sized penile <laughs> piece of shit dick that doesn't work and is broken will be blown clean off my body into the hotel will cause me to have to pay incidentals on the hotel because I broke the fucking mirror of my dick. 
Redheaded Stepchild also was another staple. That song, that was the one that hit for me this time. So here's, so uh, listeners of the show may or may not know, I like to make monthly playlists. I just throw, I listen to music throughout the month and anything that makes an impression on me, I throw on a playlist and I organize, uh, less, now I put a cap on it for no more than an hour because I think just to ask for anyone to listen to more than an hour of a Spotify playlist, huge ask. Is asking a lot. Is asking a lot. And, you know, that's like 14 songs if you do it right. Um, but all to say, I try to do, you know, no more than one song from a band in these playlists. I fudged that last month. I think I had three Wilco songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, two Wilco songs and one Uncle Tupelo song in the May playlist. On the June playlist, I do have um, a Golden Smog song, but I have changed that Golden Smog song probably three or four times. Hell yeah. It was initially Friend, then it was Ill-Fated, which I think Ill-Fated is probably my favorite song on the album. Sure. It's a really good track. Really good fucking song. It was also, I also put on Nowhere Bound was the yep. third one, and then Red-Headed Stepchild, and just like, no, man, Reddit and Step Trial is just like fucking rock and roll. You know? So that's the interesting thing is that there are times on the album where it veers more into like straight up like radio rock. Yeah. And then there are times where it veers more into alt country and you'll hear like banjos and stuff. But you also get to hear, and I love hearing this instrument just whenever. It like never sounds bad to me. You hear harmonica yeah. in this album. Yeah. You hear mandolin, yes. which when used correctly, I think is just the perfect instrument. Sometimes it sounds like dog shit, but I think other times yep. when it's used right, perfect. And you also get slide guitar. When you hear slide guitar outside of like like old ass like blues music, you right. know? Yeah. So good, dude. So good. So good. Uh, should we talk about anything else? Mason, besides Ill Fated, what are your what are your favorite tracks on this? Um, album? so I gave the heart to basically every song on the album. I would say the four that I keep cycling in and out of that playlist. Um, let me just pull up my kind of uh the uh the playlist that I use to kind of just like as a. I did think it was weird that last month yeah. you mostly included like the ten hours of farting in the May playlist. And that's going to be my July playlist because I'm just going to be too damn busy in July being. Hey, here's a fun update for the. Uh, here's a fun update for the listeners. I don't think they know yet. I quit my damn job. I have a lot of time on my hands moving forward here. Um, I'm just trying to pull up the my some kind of way playlist. Do you like when you're like, hmm? damn, I'm farting. <laughs> it doesn't. It does make me feel good to fart. Okay, so Hell here yeah. are some. Here are the four that are in my some kind of way playlist, which is where I throw just. Any song that makes an impression on me throughout the year, um, regardless of if I heard it or not, it's just kind of like, oh, like, yeah, music kind of looks like a. Like you say it a, makes a an impression on you regardless if you've heard it or not? Yeah. Some, if it's a new song, I'll put it in there. If it's a song that I've heard before, I'll put it in there too. If it's just like, oh, damn, like this song is really get, making me feel some kind of way. I thought year. you said that, like, regardless if I've heard the song or not. That's what I mean. I have old favorites in here, I have new favorites in here. Uh, but wouldn't you have heard every song at one point that if it made an impression on you? I don't get what you're saying. I don't get what you're saying because you said whether I've heard it or not. So like, here's so here's so here's what I mean. So here is so the first song in this in some kind of way playlist from Golden Smog is Nowhere Bound. Okay. The song that's after that, just chronologically, when I added it into this playlist, is Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. So that's what okay, I mean. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's what I mean. So you add it. If I am hearing a song for the first time, it goes in this playlist. If it is either, if I'm at CDS or something and I'm like, oh shit, Someday by Sugar Ray is really making me feel some kind of way right now, 
even though it was something I heard when I was a kid for the first time, right. I'm putting it in this sort of palette of a okay. list. That makes sense. But what I thought I heard you say was whether I've heard the song or not. Oh, I see what you're saying. So it's just like someone. So goes, it's just like a song that you've never heard. You're like, fuck, that's no, good. That's and you put my, it on the playlist. No, that's my that's my uh, listen to this exclamation mark exclamation mark exclamation mark playlist. Uh, and you show that other, to every woman you see at a party. Uh, I do. That's I do. I do. <laughs> uh, but the other so there are four songs in the some kind of way playlist now from this album: Nowhere Bound, Chronologically the First, then Ill Fated. Then the Glad and Sorry cover, which I, it's honestly, I think, getting up to being one of my favorite covers, actually. And Yesterday Cried. Not to say that those are, would be my four that I would like, uh, my four favorite, but I really do like Yesterday Cried. Um, those are, there's a couple um, just moments of just the lyrics in here, some moments that really hit, and that one, it's um, Yesterday's Just the Day Before Today. I watched it slip away. Like, you know, that it, it's really good at encapsulating that feeling of, like, having a shitty day that only that bleeds into the next day and so now you have two shitty days in a row and you're like fuck why do if I felt good yesterday I would probably feel good today <laughs> sure you know yeah um doesn't stay in that kind of feeling for too long which I like um but it does uh sort of explore what that that, that, that kind of emotional thing um I love the the, the songwriting in Ill-Fated um the line I wrote down the line I should look up the rest of the chorus but Mostly, I'm just there to kick around. I like that that's a good song about being um, kind of down and out and um, not you know, being down and out um, and feeling just like a, a human punching bag. Um, but again, it's a fun song. Um, Friend, I also really like. My favorite thing in Friend is that kind of like up tempo outro or coda that they have that breaks. Um, that's very. It was reminding me of a Beatles song, but I couldn't remember which one. The one that it goes like, "You're always wrong, you're never right, you're always wrong, you're never right." Da, 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 da. That one, maybe it's not the Beatles hey, song. For back rider, <laughs> I don't know for sure. It, it, maybe not a Beatles song, but definitely like an AM rock song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. We have none of the favorite favorite same tracks because That's my fine. favorite tracks this are. This is the five fr- Freiburger test. This is the Freiburger test. Pecan Pie, which is the original song that I like, kicked me off on this album. V, which is the yeah. first track on the album. Won't be coming home. Okay. I love the way that that song is just like it's just got a great like I don't want to say great pop song because it's not a pop song but like it's just got a great structure to it. I think yeah. it's got great structure. Yeah. And then the last song, which I can't believe we haven't talked about yet, Radio King. Radio King rocks. Radio King is a really good song. There, the um, it precedes it by about fifteen years, but that kind of like intro, like guitar riff, that do 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 it is very similar to um the Smashing Pumpkins deep cut that I like, and it's only a deep cut because it came out after the millennium, but it's on this EP. Uh, I don't think I think Billy Corgan is maybe one of the only like kind of Pumpkins members on it. It's called Sunkissed. Uh, it's off the American Gothic EP. I will play it for you when we're done. But it reminded me of that song, and also all to get all to say uh, that song does fucking rock, and is a nice way to um, great end of the get album. You, get you out of there. Yeah. Yeah. The fact what's what comes right before that is uh, oh, it's Will, the, William Tin Angel. William Tin Angel. I really like William Tin Angel. I think that song's very nice. Very I'm cool. glad that it doesn't end the album though. But yeah. it is a great setup for Radio King because it does sort of transition into a little bit more like intimate a little bit more like ballady you know yeah as opposed to the rest of it which is pretty up tempo yeah um so i like that because they go redheaded stepchild william Tin angel 
Radio King to end the album. So you get huge energy burst, Red, Red Hood Set Child. Yeah. Like a whole step down with Williamson Angel, where it's still not like up tempo, but it's not slow. Right. And Radio King just really takes its time. Yeah. It's not even that long of a song, it's a three minute track. It just really takes its time and lets you just soak in those feelings. Yeah. Mason, I feel like we've talked about this album pretty good. Should we get into some fucking fast facts? Let's fast these facts, brother. Let's do some. F- hey, let's do it. Let's do it. Golden Smog. Alternative country rock supergroup. You love a supergroup. I do love a supergroup. All of the lights of loosely connected, loosely connected musicians, mostly from the Minneapolis area. At various times, members of Soul Asylum, The Replacements, Wilco, The Jayhawks, Run Westy Run. Don't know anything about that band, to be honest with you. Didn't even know that's a band. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Honey Dogs and Big Star have all worked alongside Golden Smog. Given the fluid collaborative nature, the Golden Smog lineup has often changed, but the relative confidants who appear on all the recordings are Craig Johnson of Run Westy Run, Dan Murphy of Soul Asylum, Gary Luris, uh, and Mark Perlman of the Jayhawks. Hell yeah. The group, this is awesome. I love this origin story. Okay. The group took their name from a nickname given to Fred Flintstone in the Flintstone episode's Hot Lips Hannigan, which in turn was a parody of singer Mel Torme, whose nickname was The Velvet Fog. Uh, Isn't that awesome? That's cool. That's funny. You remember the Seinfeld episode with Mel Torme? Which one is the Seinfeld episode? There's like an auction or something, and Kramer's like trying to get into this auction, and Mel Torme's like the big guest, and he keeps going, The Velvet Fog! I think so. I'm trying to remember if I got to that point in my rewatch. I was in the middle of season eight of Seinfeld rewatching it, and I'm just like, this is getting really samey really fast. It's like right before... The last two seasons are a little rough. Yeah, because that's when Larry David left, right? And it does... You do kind of... um, You you see how uh, important Larry David was to that show. Um, He was the whole thing. He is the fucking guy. I love Larry David. So it's from the episode The Jimmy. Which is in the sixth season. Oh, so, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Because I remember the Jimmy. The Jimmy's the one where the guy's always talking in third person. Yes. Yeah. The Jimmy is the 105th episode of the NBC sitcom Seinfeld. Good for them. Uh, it Good aired on March 16th, shut up, it aired on March 16th, 1995. Uh, the episode's title refers to the guest character Jimmy, played by Anthony Stark, who transmits the habit of referring to himself in the third person to the regular characters George and Elaine. Who cares? Uh, some claim that the group would evolve into Golden Smog. Some claim that the group that would evolve into Golden Smog debuted in January of '87 when the band billed as the Take It to the Limit Band played mm-hmm. an almost all Eagles cover show in the Uptown Bar in Minneapolis. Wow! The band consisted of Dan Murphy and Dave Perner of Soul Asylum, Jim Bugist, later of Sunbolt, and Martin Zeller of Gear Daddies. Mm. The show ended with a cover of then the Bengals' hit song "Walk Like an Egyptian." This same group later played a Rolling Stones theme show in 1989 under the band name Her Satanic Majesty's Paycheck. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very funny. That is a little silly. Little silly. Yeah. A little silly for Her Satanic folks. Majesty's Request. That's a. I'm not connecting the dots in my head, but that's a fun little. It's a fun Golden Smog ass reference. It's funny. I like it. It's cute. I am laughing my damn ass off. I'm right laughing now. my damn dick is gonna fly off the damn handle. Uh, the group first came together under the name Golden Smog in 89 in Minneapolis. The band was conceived as a country rock reaction to the punk and hardcore music that dominated the Twin Cities musical scene at the time. 
Eventually, Golden Smog became something of a fixture at local clubs where they would play a handful of shows annually, consisting almost entirely of cover songs. Hmm. Which actually makes sense, because like if you get a bunch of just talented-ass musicians together, yeah. you probably know most songs. Like, you probably can do or most songs. Or you can figure songs, it out. Yeah, you know, like yeah, figure yeah. it out, like, the day of or on the fly or whatever. Yeah. So to be able to see, like, all these guys who are just talented-ass musicians come together and be like, all right, we're going to do Rocket Man right now. That, that would, would be, be amazing. That would be sick as hell. I would love to see Jeff Tweedy sing Rocket Man. It'd be great. Yeah. It'd be amazing. Uh, Golden Smog reunited. What? Thanks for agreeing with me. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Golden Smog reunited on July 12, 2019 to play a small surprise performance celebrating Dan Murphy's 57th birthday. The show marked Murphy's first public musical performance since his retirement from Soul Asylum in 2012. Murphy was joined on stage by Johnson, Craig Johnson, Lewis, and Perlman, as well as Miles Zuniga of the band Fastball. Oh, nice. Shout out to Fastball. Shout out to Fastball. Uh, Down by the Old Main Stream was an American alternative country band. Golden Smog's first full-length album, released in 1995, is the title from a line in both the Wilco songs, Someday Soon, from the album being there, as well as the track Radio King on this album. As with the band's debut AP, all the band members were credited under pseudonyms, and those pseudonyms were consisted of their middle names and the names of the streets where they grew up. Yeah. And I have them here for you. Are you ready? Yeah. Joey Huffman, Rodney is went by Rodney Amber. Okay. Craig Johnson went by Jarrett Decatur. Dave Perner went by Anthony James. Greg Gary Lewis went by Michael Macklin. Mm. Noah Levy, shout out to Noah Levy, got a cool name. Mm-hmm. Uh, went by Leonardson Saratoga, just a complete shit name. Thanks for spoiling the Noahs out there, everyone. Uh, Dan Murphy went by David Spear. Jeff Tweedy went by Scott Summit, and Mark Perlman went by Raymond, Virginia. Let's go. And Ronnie Lee of Faces appears on Glad and Sorry himself. No shit. He came in and did a little bit for them for Glad and Sorry. Let's go, Chef. Let's go. How nice. Uh, My Mercedes Valuable Player, I got two. I got a co-Mercedes Valuable Player. Let's go. We'd love to see this. My first Mercedes Valuable Player is the line, Your music fills my car. Your voice breaks every time. I'm still wondering if I know who you are. I hang on every line. Which is the chorus, more or less, of the song Radio King, which is yeah. the last song on the album. If I had to just give one Mercedes Valuable player, I'd probably give it to that because the way he sings that breaks my heart. Just mm-hmm. the way he goes, I hang on every line. And he kind of breaks a little bit. His voice breaks. Mm-hmm. Love that. But I'm going to give a co-Mercedes Valuable player because I do want to shout out Craig Johnson who is responsible for some of those fun instruments that you hear. He's responsible for the harmonica, the slide guitar, and the mandolin on this album. So you have to shout out someone like Craig Johnson. If you he did. Kind of the jack-of-all-trades of this. It feels like he just jumped in wherever they needed him, and I love people like that who are just like willing to jump in and do whatever just because they want to be a part of something. So yeah. those are my Mercedes Bible players. I give this album an absolute full recommend. I think this is a great album. Mason, what are you on? Uh, I'm gonna give mine to the song "Ill Fated." Uh, I do kind of. I love just a song about um, uh, 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 kind of getting kicked down <laughs> a little bit. Um, I think that that's and uh, but a song that's about getting kicked down that's also like fun to listen to, where you're just kind of like, yeah, sometimes you just gotta like take it on the chin and keep going, basically. Um, probably my favorite song in the album, even though that is a very difficult thing for me to choose, I will say, because this one also gets um, an absolute full recommendation. Le- legitimately, I was thinking about this on my third listen. One of my favorite things that was brought, that's ever been brought on the show. Hell yeah. One of my favorite like kind of discoveries or new-to-me things that's been brought on the show. 
Uh, I absolutely adore this. I, I Does it get your special award? Brother. Let's get this out there. Let's go! Ba, 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 ba. Let's does, go, Mason! Let's go. This does absolutely, absolutely get a catfish from me. Um, I love this album. I think that you should uh, pause this, this podcast right now, listen to it, before we get into discussion on the second Walk, don't run <laughs> to this album. To Spotify, to Tidal, to Apple Music, to YouTube, to the Pirate Kassar. Bay. Yeah, to, to Napster. Napster! Let's go. Let's Get some go. Napster representation Let's going. Let's go. But that concludes the conversation on Down by the Old Mainstream by Golden Smog. Now we're diving into the big boy. This is the Mason pick. Mason, what the hell are we talking about? Folks, if you follow me on social media or know me at all, you know that one of my absolute favorite albums of all time is Magnolia Electrico by the band Songs Ohio. There's a weird kind of thing with the titling of that band and that project and this album. It's kind of both the last Songs Ohio album and the first Magnolia Electrico album and also kind of also neither. If you've heard me on my one and only appearance on so far of my favorite podcast. One and only, you can say that, yeah. <laughs> That's a fair thing to say, I think. We talked uh, Jason Molina as a whole. I shared my ten favorite tracks of his. At that time, I would modify that playlist somewhat now, but in any case, um, Magnolia Electrico by Songs Ohio. Uh, 2003. From 2003. Um, and here's my... I know we talked about it on the podcast, on my favorite podcast, but as a refresher, Noah, go through your history with this album. Yeah, so if you want to hear a discussion about Jason Molina sort of more on an overview level, definitely go check out that episode of My Favorite Podcast because we're pretty much going to be just talking about this album and yep. sort of the surrounding things about this album. But So this album, so here's what happened. So this guy named Carter Moon said to me, hey, you should do a podcast with this guy named Mason McGuire. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds so fucking awful. I do not want to do that. But uh, we've done over 75 episodes, uh, so we are doing it. Uh, and at one point on the show, you mentioned the name Mason, Jason Molina. Yeah. Just sort of offhand, kind yeah, of a throwaway yeah. thing to say. Yeah. But the name stuck with me. I'm like, I don't actually know who that is. I was like, I've never heard that name. That's a new name to me. I don't know who that guy is at all. That, don't think about it. Right. Keep living my life. Right. Then one day on Spotify, I'm listening to something, and the song Farewell Transmission comes on. A mm-hmm. Spotify like genius recommendation or whatever, a, a radio they call it on Spotify, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh whoa, this song is fucking awesome! Holy shit, this song fucking kicks ass! So I'm like listening to it, and I had heard of songs Ohio like on other playlists and stuff, yeah, but I always avoided them because I thought the name was stupid. I thought it was like a bad sure. name. I was like, I don't want to listen to a band called Songs Ohio. Like that just, yeah. I don't like that name for a band. Uh, but I loved the Farewell Transmission when I heard it. I was like, this song is so fucking good. So I look up Songs Ohio. And what happens when you look up Songs Ohio? You see who the main creative force behind that project is. You literally get redirected to the Jason Molina Wikipedia page. Yeah. So I'm like, oh shit. Songs Ohio is one guy. It's Jason Molina. Like, yeah. it's, the, it's one and the same, basically. So I start, I listen to the whole album. I listened to the whole album, not the demos and everything, just the whole album plus the two bonus tracks that are on the deluxe edition on Spotify, which is what we're talking about today. And I was like, this is 
brilliant. This is like a five-star album. This is just an absolute banger. There's not a bad song on the album. It's great. Then I had forgotten about the album just in the sense of like, I'm moving on to other things. Yeah, just in the sense you've heard the album, you gave it its time, but there's a lot of other music out there. There's a lot of other stuff. It happens all the time. With you just, I just was like, I'm living my life. Especially with music. Especially with music. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm moving on. I'm living my life. I'm doing other things, whatever. I listened to the album. It was great. Then I say to Mason, hey, Thomas canceled on me for my favorite <laughs> podcast. I need you to, I need you, I need a guest. I was going to ask you at some point anyway, but do you want to do it this coming week? And we kind of had to throw something together a little bit quickly because we were coming up on the day that I needed to record because yeah. I needed to edit the episode, blah, blah, blah. No one cares about that. So I asked you, if you can figure out what you want to talk about, like, within 24 hours, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. And you immediately came back with, I know what I want to talk about. I want to talk about Jason Molina. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. Putting two and two together here. Like, yes, Mason is a huge Jason Molina fan, huge Songs Ohio fan, huge Magnolia Electric Company fan. And he's going to call my pod. Kind of two worlds coming together. So I just listen to Farewell Transmission, like, once a week at least. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, always on. And I still listen sometimes to some of the deeper cuts that are on your playlist, like every now and then that you send to the show. But that's more or less my history with it. I don't have like an overarching history with Jason Molina, but I do have a little bit of history with his album. But, yeah, Chef, what about you? What's your history? So, as I said on my favorite podcast, Farewell Transmission was a Discover Weekly song for me. And I want to say maybe July or August of 2016 when I was fresh in Los Angeles. And, um,. Farewell Transmission is probably gone to my head my favorite song of all time. Sure. Um, and I was when I needed the um, my, my first impression of that song when I first heard it in my Discover Weekly and then kept re-listening to it because it was just so fucking good. Um, I would just keep coming back to the um, there's there's a couple things about just just that song like from the top when you first hear it for the first time that that I love and that is the kind of the power of the instrumentation and also the kind of like smaller power of like Jason's voice because like I didn't know Jason Molina from Adam when I first heard this song like he was an artist that um, I had when he unfortunately he, he has passed away unfortunately he passed away in like 2013. And he was, like, an artist that a couple other artists that I know were, like, oh, R.I.P., you know, when, when he passed. And I think NPR did a, a thing about him, but he wasn't really on my radar. And then this song comes out, and it's just, from the beginning, like, um, guitar line and the way that that song builds and um, has this sort of, like, this, 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 this triumphant feel, like, this sort of um, the feeling of just, like, kind of getting up and um, mustering all your energy to get through your fucking day. And then um, the way that it, it takes you on this fucking journey, and there's this, like, kind of... It, it takes you on this journey and ends where you still feel, like, kind of triumphant and high, but there's this kind of, like, minor, like, kind of key darkness. I don't know, quite know, like, the... the actual key or whatever but there is just like this sense of kind of foreboding in this song towards the end that is unlike anything in almost any other music that I can think of um I listen to that song a lot and then eventually I decide to do the album top to bottom and I can't tell you how many times I have heard each of these songs or the album top to bottom in the last five I guess it would be five years since I've heard it um for the first time 
But when I'm listening to this album now, I am kind of noticing that there's different periods of my life where each song on this album is speaking to me in a different way. And there's some points, some songs on this album that have not gotten me to that point yet. <laughs> sure. I'll say. Um, but I think that it's just going to be most helpful to talk about this album kind of like track by track. Let's Honestly. do it. Let's talk about the first track then. Farewell Transmission. I don't know how much more I could talk about this. That's, I don't know what... It, it's, you know those songs or those movies or those works of art, just those feelings that just so you just feel so deeply like just in your soul. It's very hard for you for even after years of experience with the thing to say truly what it means to you. Yes. That's kind of where I'm at with, with Farewell Transmission. Um, it's an incredible, I think, just achievement of songwriting and creating a band. Um, and they recorded that song, like they've recorded all of the al- the songs on this album, uh, to my knowledge, in one take. Oh, wow. Like they just got the band together. They just press record. Yeah, just press record at Electrical Audio. Because that's another, the Chicago Connection here. This was recorded at Electrical Audio, um, Steve Albini's um, record studio. Um, Which is where? In Chicago, Illinois. Which is where in Chicago, Illinois? Uh, isn't it in... I have no idea. I'm asking. Uh, I don't know for sure. Your your Rain Man ability to know about Chicago. Uh, no, I looked it up once. I think it's like Belmont and something or other. Um, it's kind of... uh, What's the name of it? Electrical Audio. Um, but one of my favorite things about that is, um... He, uh, you know, the last line... It's in Avondale. Avondale. That's very close to me, actually. Uh, is that off Belmont? Is it right yeah. There? Okay. Hell it's yeah. between Avondale and Bricktown. Nice. Uh, but one of my favorite things about the recording of Farewell Transmission is, I don't know if they rehearsed it or not, but you know how it ends? You do Long Dark Blues, Will of the West, and then Jason just says, listen, and then the band like kind of peters out and uh, like they re- repeat the refrain of Long Dark Blues. Yes. Um, there was like kind of no planning on when that was all going to like kind of peter out and end it just like kind of happened naturally yeah he like said to them like just stop when you feel it yeah or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. and actually i once you told me that because you are the person who told me that like i think you even said that on our episode of my favorite podcast when i ever since i've listened to the track after knowing that i'm actually surprised how quickly it does resolve yeah because if i'm the drummer yeah I'm like in it, yeah. you know. If I'm the drummer in that song, I'm going, and I might not stop until I like truly feel it. Yeah. It's impressive to me that they, without planning it, were so in alignment with when to end that song. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it is. It's it is uh, incredible. It's one of the. It's like it's a little bit of magic. It, it is a little bit of magic. I think I think that this album is pure magic. I think that this this album was. Uh, Commute, like given to us from the gods so that they know that we can be rest assured that they love us. Um, thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Um, thank you, Chef. So then you go into Riding with the Ghost, which is just a really fucking killer, like, country-western track. Yeah, it, like, it feels like opening credit music. It does. Yeah, like, like, a, like, a, like a pulpy, like, 60s western or something like that mm-hmm. that was, like, made in America. Maybe not Melanie Hellman, but, like, maybe, <laughs> but, but maybe someone else. Uh, and it's just got that real grit to it. I will say, though, mm-hmm. probably my second least favorite song on the album. Okay, interesting. Um, but I don't dislike it. Right. It's right. just, it's you probably have, you my second least it. favorite. I don't know, man. I uh, It's hard for me to pick, I mean, Farewell Transmission is probably the clear favorite, but it's hard for me to rank them after. Afterwards. After yeah, I mean, I, I get that. Just because, and, and the thing with for me with this album, too, is it's just like, 
I need, like, at least... I will have one mood a month that corresponds with a song on this album, and probably, ultimately, many moods sure. a month where, like, just whatever's happening. And Riding With The Ghost, um, it's kind of... An, it's, a, it's a little darker and a little, like, kind of uh, heavier than ill-fated but it's the still same kind of like thing where it's um because the course of the or the first riding with the ghost i've been doing whatever it told me going to go to door find, trying to find someone who would hold me um never saw anyone that didn't see through me none of them would love me if they ever quite knew me unless i made a change and that's what i really love about this song is it's a song about um uh, uh, uh fighting your best against your your demons knowing that you have to make a change and doing your best to make that change no matter how fucking hard it is. Uh, and knowing what I, you know, knowing the end of Jason's life, it's very uh, tragic and unfortunate. <laughs> um, but this song in particular very very much gets me in a kind of like get up and go kind of attitude. Yeah, it is. It does have a little bit of that motivational, moti- motivational, motivational like, yeah. energy behind it. Yeah. Uh, then we got Just Be Simple, which <laughs> really just like they just turn the notch all the way down and just slow everything down on yeah. this track. And it, like, probably a slide guitar, honestly, like, somewhere in there. But just, like, not a screeching halt because, like, everything else has, like, had, like, a little bit of, like, you know, this, like, bum-ba-da-bum-ba-da-bum-ba-da-bum, like, rhythm to it. Mm -hmm. This just feels like you're sitting on the porch, you're sitting, you know, like, you're just taking a break, but not in, like, a, not in, like, a restful way. Like, in a, like, okay, I'm going to catch my breath for one second and then I'm going to start running again. Yeah, you know? this is this was an this was a song I listened to a lot when I was uh, uh, again early in Los Angeles, so probably September when I was September no- October November when I was feeling really fucking um, kind of lonely and not knowing what I wanted to do. Uh, this the line from this song that really spoke to me then and speaks still to me is why put a new address on the same old loneliness? Totally, like greatly. you can't. Yeah, it's it's this song right. His this, the lyrics in this are just so fucking good. And he, um, I love that line because it's like, when I was like at that point, I was like, yeah, damn, true. Like I could change addresses, but there's still like some sort of thing just uh, at the center of myself that like is going to be the same no matter where I go. Yeah, you can't outrun your problems. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, almost was good enough. This is my least favorite track on the album. I. It's the only one I didn't give a heart to. Gotcha. Okay, that I can see that for you. I like the kind of miasma of sounds of that, sure. and kind of how it kind of has a sort of abstract sort of feeling to it. You, it's hard to pick out. Like, you know, there's the, the, the guitars ultimately are coming through, but I do like how. Um, I don't want to say it's the most unassured song on the album. Abstract is the word that I like there, um, but. Um, it is just one of the more like kind of desperate and just completely hopeless and kind of makes me most the feel most underwater songs on the album. It's totally. the least clean, I think, of these songs on the album. But that's why I that's my favorite facet of that song and why I think it's still kind of an essential to have on this this kind of the initial release, basically. You know, without the bonus tracks factored in, but. But I, then, but then you. No, sorry, I cut you off. No, no, keep going. I was gonna say. Then we get into the old black hand, and you get to hear Lawrence Peters sing, and it is. I mean, it's like it is magical to hear him sing. He's got this amazing baritone, almost bass like vocal range. So, how do you feel about like the um, Jason Molina sings um, all but two tracks on this album? How do you feel about him passing off song singing duties to uh, two people for? 
Peoria Lunch Rock Blues and Old Black Hen here. It doesn't ever strike me as jarring, ever. Yeah. Like, some, I feel like in other cases, like, that, like, I mean, Jason's got a very, like, high range. He's a tenor, you know? Yes, he has a, he has a, and a very unique and recognizable voice. Absolutely. When you, like, listen to his music enough, you can pick, you can tell. But Lawrence Peters is, like, the complete opposite, you know? He's got this bass. deep bass voice, very gritty, very rustic, very, like, I've seen some shit type guy, like, very Sam yeah. Elliott-esque. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't phase me in this, because I think the music is so consistently thoughtful and so consistently well-constructed that I'm just like, this is just another aspect of Jason Molina talking. Yeah. And he's using, like, it's almost a character voice. It is, it is. I like it. Um, I think you're, that's an absolutely great take on it. I also think that it's just kind of a, a moment... It's not like he hasn't sang the song before, and he sings that there's a very so on the Spotify release of this. There's like there's the track, there's side or CD one basically, which is the initial album, two bonus tracks that weren't on the initial release, and then just basically demos of every single song on the album. Right. Um, and I do. There was a period of time where I was listening to that and like I don't know why Jason wouldn't just sing this because he sings it really well in the demo. Um, but there's a couple things I do like about it. Once I do like that it changes the character of the album and kind of the project a little bit. And I like that it is, um, it, it brings in uh, literally new voices into this and, and um, ex- expands the, the kind of the project and the band a little bit. I also kind of, since I listen to this album top to bottom so much, I kind of do feel like I, I'm able to situate myself in like the theater of my mind or whatever where I'm just watching the band basically play the whole album and I feel like after Almost Was Good Enough it's not a terrifically um uh uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for here uh terrifically demanding uh vocal performance or from uh from Jason Molina there but I do like that he kind of like taps out for two songs to take a break to come back for the end of the album there um, and it also does give you a stronger feel. Uh, it's kind of with Golden Smog, too. Like, I feel like, you know, band singing duties were passed along from different... Sure. But they, all the singers generally are in the same range, you know? Like, you don't get this, like, um, such a, a stark difference between uh, a tenor and a baritone. And and um, it is one of my favorite songs on the album, I think, if I had to rank it. Um, it's one of mine as well. Yeah. It's, it's, in, my, it's in my top... Like there's eight tracks on here. This is in my top four. Like this yeah. is this is what this is like number three probably to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, then we get Peoria Lunchbox. Peoria Lunchbox Lunch Peoria Lunchbox Blues featuring Scout Niblet again. New singer, new situation. This is like great gig in the sky level vocal performance. She's incredible. It's just amazing, you yeah. know it. And there for me, there's a point in music. Where I almost just don't care what lyrics are sometimes. Okay. Because to me, it's like, it's just another sound in the stew. And I don't mean that in a way that, like, demeans lyrics. Because I think that actually what you're saying, obviously, is like, it's kind of the whole reason you're doing the fucking song at a certain level. But it's just another sound in the overall feeling, in the overall cacophony. And I don't even think about the lyrics when I listen to this. I'm just Mm -hmm. thinking about her voice and I'm just thinking about how it is so perfectly in unison with the arrangement and with the actual music track that's going along with it. 
Yeah, it's the most like kind of um, that's a car just went past very loud. Uh, it's the most like kind of I think spectral song on the album. Uh, one of the more ghosty kind of one, even regardless of riding with the ghost. Um, that and I, I um, Scout Niblet also has a very uh, interesting uh, is a very good musician and worth listening to her solo stuff. Um, aside from this project there. Uh, this also kind of probably the song that I have the least uh, thoughts about. <laughs> sure. I mean, there's not a ton to say about it. It's yeah. just a rip-roaring vocal performance at the end of the day, I yeah. feel like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then we move straight so, into... So John Henry Spent My Heart is the second-to-last track here. This one's really hitting for me this month. Same. This is my biggest discovery, like, listening to it again. This hit for me the hardest this time around. I'm sitting in my hotel room in Milwaukee yeah. listening to this at, like, 11.30 at night. Just like split your full moon heart, brother. Basically, I like the fact that it like crescendos into the end of farewell transmission again. Yeah. And just the way that it builds, like you literally I'm thinking about the fable of John Henry, like yeah. as I'm listening to it, I'm thinking about him like hammering the ground and like hammering through rock and stuff. And you know, this it's amazing what a title can do mm-hmm. for a track. Because they do say John Henry, I think, in the actual song. He, he does say John Henry split my heart in the song. He does. Yeah. But the fact that the song is called John Henry split my heart, you're already thinking about that image. You're yeah. already thinking about that happening in the song, in the like sort of the, like you said, in the theater of your mind. There's <laughs> one of the craziest <laughs> things we ever said on the show. It's one of the. It's also one of the only songs on the album where like the band is starting playing the same like kind of rhythm basically all together like, sure chum, 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 dun, it's a train dun. yeah yeah it's amazing it's this is this was my biggest discovery of this album for this sure. yeah uh or this listen yeah rather. the line that i love from that is uh what you're gonna do with your heart into half i'm gonna uh use to pay my band half i'm gonna save because i'm gonna owe them yeah it's a great line awesome uh then we end with the original I, tracks it would like you point out the, um, the the similarities between John Henry's "But My Part" and um, "Farewell Transmission." There is a uh, a version of this album that could probably just be like that kind of like thematic circle to connect, and then maybe John Henry's "But My Heart." You could see it probably being the, the final tracks of something. Of that's this. a gr- that's a great point because yeah. "Hold On Magnolia," and I think we even talked about this on the episode, but I do think it's worth repeating. "Farewell Transmission" sort of sounds to me, like the song that Jason Molina wishes his life was. Yeah. But Hold On Magnolia is the song of what his life really was. Yeah. Which is heartbreaking when you think about it like that. Um, You're absolutely right. Because we did talk on the show on My Favorite Podcast about how he was always so... He had maybe like a a, a guilt or about being a songwriter and not a working person. Yeah, he wasn't blue collar. He was an artist, which he had like weird hangups about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, uh, hold on, Magnolia. God, that is a song that fucking travels. That is a song that will will always be there for you when you need it, regardless of what version you're listening to, because he re-records it. So, like I was saying, you know, he um, is doing songs Ohio. Uh, it's kind of his main creative project for the first decade of his career, like after he's in college. It's a little folkier based. Uh, in later releases, you can kind of see um, sort of the more, I guess, maybe roots rock of his of the Magnolia Electrical project coming in. And this 
Magnolia Electric Co., the album, is considered by him to be the first Magnolia Electric Company album. And he's kind of, as I understand it, it was kind of annoying that it was branded by the label or whoever as a song Ohio release, songs Ohio release. He considered um, Didn't It Rain, the album prior, to be the last proper songs Ohio release. Uh, but all to say, he does re-record um, Hold On Magnolia uh, in kind of a more, I guess, like, um, uh, uh, not quite honky-tonk, I guess, but like in a more roots rock kind of way, less of like a alt-country uh, sort of sort of uh, a sound on Sojourner. I believe it's Sojourner. Um, so, uh, I, this is another song, kind of like with, with Farewell Transmission, that I just, I love it so much that I almost don't have words for it. <laughs> it's, I mean, it just, you know, like I said, the only thing I can say about it is Farewell Transmission is what he wishes his life was. Hold on, Magnolia is what his life was in reality. It's hard for, it's hard, it is very hard for me to hear that song and not feel just get a little bit choked up. Yeah, it's like hard. It's like sad. It's like extremely sad. And I think that my personal favorite performance of it, you definitely have to hear the original recording of yeah. it, obviously. Yeah. But I think the I think the best performance of it was off the live at La Chapelle album, yeah. where like, he sings it and it's just in like this yeah. weird chamber. The recording of that, just the actual like way that that report like yeah. performance was captured, is. Haunting. It is unbelievable. It's just him in an in a solo guitar in an echoey room, and you have like audience noise and like I think you know. Yeah, they're like barely paying attention to him at the beginning. Yeah, and like a glass like drops or something. It's an it's it's an interesting recording. My favorite recording is um, I'm not quite sure where he he is live doing it, uh, but like in like a bookstore or something or just this much smaller kind of more intimate venue. And it's that video on YouTube that I sent you. Yes. Uh, last year. That I think is my favorite performance of this. Again, just him with the guitar playing this. But the version that's on this album, um, I think is really, 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 really tremendous. Uh, I do just want to shout out the other members of this band and on this record um, before we get too far away from it. Sorry, I had the uh, Wikipedia page for the Niles. You had, the fucking, you had, you had a Niles. fucking, like socks like fitted cap on your fucking phone yeah I want to shout out the other members uh, 8 and 3 quarter <laughs> measurement for fucking new era hats shout out uh, to them they sponsor the show we had so uh, recording information on Wikipedia Jason Molina on the voice and guitar Jenny Benford on voice and mandolin shout out to mandolin uh, Mike Brenner on lap steel Three Nickel Jim Grabowski on piano, uh, organ, and Wurlitzer. What a great Chicago name, too. Jim Grabowski. Yeah. Um, Dan McAdam on guitar, voice, and violin. Jeff Pinal, Jeff Pinal on drums. Lawrence Peters, uh, the voice on the Old Black Hen. Scout Niblet, voice on the Peoria Lunchbox Blues. Dan Sullivan, guitar. Rob Sullivan on bass. Songs by Jason Molina and recorded by Steve Albini. We do have to talk quickly about the bonus tracks as well. We do, very quickly. So, Hold On Magnolia is the last track on the proper release, but on the um, special edition, there are two bonus tracks. One is The Big Game is Every Night, and the other is With Or Will. Um, I have little if nothing to say about The Big Game is Every Night. I kind of, I listen to it and I'm like, uh, I like that song a lot. I like how heavy and long and deep and dark it is. I kind of wish that there was a way they could fit it onto the track list as it is initially, but I don't begrudge them for keeping it off one because it would probably 
be hard to press an album with an eight-minute song. There's a lot of other long songs on here. Um, but uh, that's one of my favorite things to post on Super Bowl Sunday. It's just the big game is every night. And everyone loves it every single year. Everyone loves it. Everyone slides into my DMs. Um, oh, Mason, the when fucking When are you going to post the Jason Molina song on your story? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm at the grocery store trying to get chips right now. What are you getting? What chips? Uh, just Tostito Scoops. No salsa? Uh, maybe I'll get salsa. Maybe I will make some guacamole. Maybe it will be a recipe from the internet. For disaster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we will also be talking about Whipper Will. Uh, Whipper Will is interesting as a bonus track because there's... Uh, so the version that's up, he re-records this um, later on Josephine, uh, which is one of the last Magnolia Electrico albums. Also, I think that album would be good show fodder, actually. Yeah. Um, I like how he... Spent when took that. I like how he took that track back to the kitchen. In in this or later on? Later on, I like the later version better. Than I like this version more. Interesting. I like this version more, and I actually wish that it was on the original. I wish it was. I wish that they found a way to do Peoria Lunchbox Blues seamlessly into Whippoorwill or vice versa. Because you got two females uh, and accompaniment there. Yeah, he found a way to get those okay. in there. And it's like the old black hen, you can kind of like production wise, like fade that out. You can get like a storm cloud in there. Then you get Whipper Will. And that song ends so triumphantly that you get back into Peoria Lunchbox Blues and you go right into Scout Nimbus' performance on that. Um, I wish it was on the main track. I think that one is fantastic. Interesting. Um, interesting. I like how, um, I guess just since I'm so familiar with the later version from Josephine, um, that I, I listened to this newer one and it's hard for me to hear it without doing like the kind of I Spy comparison, basically. Sure. You know, and seeing like, okay, this version of Whipper Will on, uh, this bonus track version of Whipper Will is a little, um, they, I like that they do trade off verses uh, Jason and I want probably I couldn't see who was the other voice on here. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I didn't, I was going to ask you song who credits. Woman on um, no, I can't tell if it's Jenny Benford or um, Scout Niblet. I don't know. I was um, I couldn't figure it out to be honest. With I you, couldn't but. either. Um, I guess mm, it, it is just a little bit too much of a for this album for Magnolia Electrico. I, I just I I love just how like deep and dark and heavy this album is without like kind of forcing your head underwater into misery, you know. Um, and just tonally, this version of Whippoorwill does not fit with the rest of the album and what I like about it right now. You know, gotcha. I think that the later version of Joseph, if Josephine is a much more, um, it's a little brighter. There's still that kind of like. Jason Molina, like, kind of, not quite heaviness, but sort of, like, desperation that I like is sort of, like, hoping against hope and hoping against your own, your the limits of your body um, versus what your spirit wants that you can, you know, push on into a new day, basically, we'll say. Um, I like a lot, Josephine's much more an album about the open road. That might be a fun album for you to listen to on your drive. Josephine, put it in your fucking playlist. Yeah. Um, but I like the... I guess so. The main image in Whippoorwill that I that I list that I that I like is the um, is like him waking up like kind of on a bright day in a hotel room and just being absolutely either like fucking 
hammered and hung over or just tired and um, the sun is the sun is out and um, the sun is open this bird is singing there's a new dawn but you're still the same miserable fuck basically I don't quite think that that fits with the the sort of the, the conceit as I the conceit with Magnolia Electrico the album which is so much about just powering through it's a very powerful album is what I like about sure. it and I think that you know if we did the Noe the Noe Machete cut of this and fit this in there what I like about um, Peoria Lunchbox Blues is that it is like a brief respite a brief like kind of spiritual respite from the heaviness before we get right back into John Henry Split My Heart which is a very um uh, 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 I think just just a very physically exert like a song about physical exertion the same way that Mag- that that farewell transmission is, um, but it's like right back into um, the good stuff there. And I think that if it was in between Old Black Hen and Peoria Lunchbox Blues, I don't know. I would kind of feel like the the, the sort of track listing, the kind of organization of the album for me would be a little wobblier. I think that the way that the it's eight tracks, right? Yeah, the eight tracks on the initial release, perfect top to bottom. Don't uh, like I said, I like the game is every night. Personally, just because I like big, long, dark, long, I like long, dark songs, um, which they could have just found it for my own edification. Um, but I am totally fine with them not being on the the main release there. Um, this is a perfect album for me. That's uh, all I have to say about it right now. Do you have fast facts, or is there anything else you want to say last minute? Uh, I think you're wrong about Whippoorwill, but we'll do fast facts now. Okay. Uh, Magnolia Electrico is the seventh and final album by Songs Ohio. It was recorded by Steve Albini and Electrical Audio in Chicago and released by Secretly Canadian. Secretly Canadian. We love them on this show. We do. On March 4th, 2003. The naming of this album... The naming of the album and comments by Jason Molina have led to discussions whether or not it is simultaneously, in fact, the debut album Molina's new band, also named Malignolia Electrico. Haha, you already said that. Uh, the artwork for the album does not contain the song. Excuse me. The artwork for the album does not contain the name Songs Ohio anywhere, though the center label of the vinyl record does say Songs Ohio. On the other hand, the album was recorded <coughs> excuse me, with different musicians than the later members of Magnolia Electrico. And the decision to take on the new name was not announced until the tour following the release in the spring of 2003. Molina de- later declared Didn't It Rain to be the final Songs Ohio album. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Molina says, you already, already talked about this, when he says listen at the end of Farewell Transmission, he's actually saying to the band, listen, that's not actually a lyric. We already talked about that. Jason Andrew Molina was an American singer and songwriter and musician raised in northern Ohio. He came to prominence and performing recording of songs Ohio, both in solo projects and a rotating cast of musicians in the 90s. Molina had a prolific, prolific career between musical projects and solo releases, producing a total of 16 studio albums, 8 EPs, and numerous singles. We talked about that on my favorite podcast. Yeah. But just, he was 39 when he passed away. Yeah. That is, like... Three lifetimes of music output. for some people. Yeah. That is fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, his overall discography was noted by critics for blending elements of indie rock, blues, alt country, and his tenor vocal range. Something that I guess I didn't actually mention that is extremely important if you've never heard this album before. It's got great earth and spiritual imagery, and they kind of collide up against each other, and you have the sense of like, damn, this man is having a crisis of faith just by the juxtaposition of the content and the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, in March 2003, while on tour, Molina announced that he would rename the band Magnolia Electrico, retaining the stylistic 
direction of the album in the same name. Molina also continued to release work under his solo name. The first such release came in January of 04 as the full-length vinyl release Pyramid Electric Co. Mm -hmm. uh, Molina passed away on March 16, 2013 in Indianapolis of abu alcohol abuse-related organ failure. He was 39 years old. His friend Henry Owings published an article in his online ma uh, music magazine, Chunklet, that said Molina had struggled with alcoholism for most of the decade leading up to his death. Owings also wrote that Molina had, quote, cashed out on Saturday in Indianapolis with nothing but a cell phone in his pocket. Molina was cremated. The biography of Molina, Jason Molina Riding with the Ghost, was published in May of 2017 by Aaron Osman. A plaque dedicated to Molina's memory was erected on the entrance of the secretly Canadian second storage facility. In January 2018, the indie label Dead Oceans published an homage to Molina with the cooperation, uh, published um, in homage to Molina, the cooperation, the cooperation single Farewell Transmission, Black and White, The Dark Don't Hide It by Kevin Warby and Waxahachie. Yeah. Two posthumous albums, Live at La Chapelle and Eight Gates, were released by Secretly Canadian in 2020. My Mercedes Bible player, duh, Jason Molina. Yeah, of course. Duh. This is gonna like, be... Can you give it to anyone else? No, of course not. No, he's the, he's the, he's the Mercedes Bible player. This doesn't happen without him. The whole thing, you know, not to say that other people didn't contribute to this because obviously a lot of other people did, but you don't get this album without him. He is the secret yeah, source. He, he is. He is a guy that, um, and it's really hard. I would strongly recommend reading the Aaron Osmond book if you listen to this album and you like it, um, just to kind of get a good sense of him as a, because most of the, the the sources for that novel, for that book, are from people that knew him personally, like bandmates, his uh, his his wife, um, and or his widow. Maybe they were separated. In, in, in any case, um, and you get this kind of portrait of this guy who was, un who was very adept at getting people around him to support his vision, um, but he was also very. He, he struggled with asking for help when he needed it. And that was unfortunately, I think, one of, well, you know, spiritually that might have been one of the things that was unfortunately, um, uh, uh, I don't know. It's just, it makes me very sad that he he died so young um, because if you listen to some of his later Magnolia Electrico stuff, especially Josephine, um, it would be really exciting to see what else he would be putting out, you know, um, had he been able to conquer his demons, you know, had he been able to, um, uh, uh, reconcile this kind of, like, crisis, this, like, you know, kind of internal issue with him, um, well, we don't get that, but what we do get is an awful lot of good music, uh, I'll just say, really strongly recommend that book, um, if you're interested in, in, in this after this discussion here, um, easy full recommend, one of the easiest full recommends, one of the easiest catfishes, um, I just, I just fucking love this album. This, uh, yeah, this, this is an album that uh, you hear it once and you'll almost never want to be listening to it. To almost want to not, you'll hear it once and you'll hear it throughout the rest of your life. In my experience, at least, and it just, uh, it never loses its initial power, which you can't say about a lot of other albums. But in any case, Noe, you know what we did today? We recorded in person. We recorded a podcast in person. First in, time in, in Niles, Illinois. <laughs> No, Skokie. We're in Skokie. In Skokie, Illinois. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, now for the part of the show that I actually like, the plugs. Uh, for a little, you can follow me on Twitter.com, at Noah Marger. Instagram, at Noah.Marger. Letterboxd, at Noah Narger. And you can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast. June is Fuck You, It's June Month. It's all stuff I recorded before I went yeah. on my trip. Uh, you obviously have heard the Rocky Pajarito episode about Andrew Bujowski already. You've heard the Alexander Barrett episode about 2020 already. 
Uh, we're looking at what we learned, the silver lining of that year, a absolutely awful year that we were able to pull out some wisdom from. Uh, when this episode comes out, mm-hmm. look forward to the Kelly. Actually, it'll already have come out. Talk to Kelly Cried about Hot Wheels. Kel Cried. Shout love out to him. Kel Cried. We love him. Uh, and that episode will be out already by the time this is out. And then next week, Thomas Serdarian talking about Dude Ranch by Blink-182. Apparently, because I was listening to a podcast where they talked about this because the guest on this podcast hosts a Blink-182 podcast and a pop-punk podcast. You're saying we're podcasts about it. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Shut up. Uh, and they said that uh, because Enema of the State and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket are puns, they think Dude Ranch must be a pun and it must mean come. Right. You, you've pitched this and all I have to say is, uh, yes, chef. <laughs> so that's it. Those are my plugs. Uh, Mason will be continuing to do shit on this show while I'm on my trip. Mm-hmm. But I'll be back soon. Yeah. So uh, if you absolutely hate what Mason's doing, then uh, you'll be. I'll be back soon. And if you absolutely hate listening to this podcast with the two of us, enjoy my time in the brig away from it. So either way, you're a winner or you're a loser, depending yeah, on what's yeah, going folks. on. But Mason, take us out. Uh, you can find me on the barn a podcast about the Shield. We just posted our penultimate episode of the regular series discussion. So. Uh, that is, uh, I've been saying... How you guys drag that fucking show out for uh, so We did, but you know what? Good fucking show. Um, other than that, you know, like I said, I will be, in a couple weeks here, I will be fun employed, so I'm looking forward to that, and you will likely be able to see me on the streets of Chicago more just walking around. Um, other than that, I would say, you know, here's what I, I have a little recommendo this week. My recommendo is spending personal time with your good friends. Wow. Just taking a day, just going out on the town, doing shit. That if you live in a city, a major city, and have spent a lot of time there, just redo some shit that, like, you know, we'll call quote-unquote tourist stuff, but go to the zoos, go to the parks, go to figure out whatever's free, um, you know, just spend time um, outside with the people you love. That's going to be my recommendo for you here, folks. Great recommendo. We will bring it home, as we always do, by saying, Black Lives Matter, Black Trans Lives Matter, fuck the police, fuck the president, but tell someone you love them. And then spend some time with them this week. We'll see you all next week. See ya. that great highway no one has to be that strong but if you're stubborn like me I know what you're trying to be
It's almost Thank you kindly. Which also Thank you, Chef.